This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com/ageist, save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by Ned's Mellow Magnesium, designed to help busy people sleep better. Go to helloned.com/ageist and save 15%. Get yourself some better sleep. This week on the show, we have a fascinating conversation with Dr. Isaac Burzen. We're going to talk about omegas, omega-3s in particular, and why we need them for our brains and our bodies, and then his story about creating omegas from algae in Iceland in a plant that they designed that runs entirely on geothermal and basically uses nothing other than pulling the carbon dioxide out of the air. And I think he's giving us a sneak peek into... What, you know, one of the main components of the future of food is going to be and, and how we think about where we get our food and how it's produced. And imagine eating food that's super nutritious and really is amazing for the environment because it's, it's actually carbon negative. So pretty incredible. Um, amazing guy. You're, gonna, you're really going to love this conversation. This week, pretty much every morning, I've been getting up early and going to something called Sim Sports. I got an email from someone maybe a couple weeks ago, and they said, hey, you should check this thing out. So what Sim Sports is, is this being Park City and Sim being simulated, the sport being skiing. It's uh, like a 180-degree uh, big screen that looks very much like you're looking down a hill, and then you put actual ski boots on, and you sort of click into this track. And the first time I saw this thing, I, I just thought like, oh my God, there's like no way I can do this. This is just like way too hard. But in the spirit of trying something new, um, I said, okay, let's give it a try. And, and the first day I was pretty clumsy on the thing. I mean, I, I did, you know, I did okay, but I had to hold on a lot and stop a lot. But now I'm on like day five of being there and I've gotten um, a lot better. The, the nice thing about this thing is that you get a lot better because you don't have chairlifts and you don't have to worry about, um, you know, falling. So if you fall on this thing, what happens is you just sort of dump into this really soft net. So there's, there's no problem with it. But there's still like it was a new thing. And I, and I think that one of the ways that we keep our brains and our bodies and our attitudes um, really flexible is to continually try new things. And, you know, how often do you say in a week I've never tried this new thing. Wow, like, what's this going to be like? Is this, is this going to be fun? Is this going to be hard? Can I do it? So um, that's the spirit in which I've engaged um, this sim sports, and it's, it's, it's totally addicting. I'm, like, really into it. <laughs> um, so there, I tried it, and I liked it, and so I keep doing it. But I, I think for all of us, you know, when somebody offers something and they're like, hey, let's go do this whatever weird thing, You've never done it before. Uh, you know, 
the watchword is yes. We just say yes. And, you know, you see what happens. And I could have gone to this thing and it could have been really dorky and I, I didn't like it. And But whatever, like I'd experienced it. And if I say yes, I don't really know what the outcome is going to be. If I say no, the outcome is very predictable. N- nothing happens. So that's one of the things that I've, um, you know, I sort of prod myself to do every week. Anytime somebody invites me to do something or there's something new, it's like, hey, let's go check it out. So sim sports and their simulated ski racing machine. Like if, if, if you're ever curious about what that feels like, um, I recommend going to one of these facilities. It's, it's really awesome. Today's show is brought to you by Ned's Mellow Magnesium. It's a sleep supplement that I've been taking for about three weeks, and it's great. I know a lot of you guys, you know, we have problems sleeping. A lot of us, we wake up in the night or we have trouble getting to sleep, and you should check this out. So it's got three different kinds of magnesium. Magnesium is awesome to help us sleep. It's also one of the minerals that 75% of Americans are not getting enough of. Mellow Magnesium also has L-theanine and GABA, both of which are going to help us sleep. Personally, I take this about an hour before I'm ready to go to sleep. And my sleep efficiency for the last three weeks has been averaging, get this, 100%. So it's working for me. And so you guys might want to check this out. And full transparency, Ned shares all of its third-party lab reports right there on its site. So not just the research they do, but the research that everybody else does on their products. And that strikes me as a real vote of confidence. They have over 5,000 five-star reviews on their products. So I'm not the only one who likes this. You can't become the best version of yourself unless you're getting great sleep. Like nothing else works. You got to get sleep. So this is what you do. Go to Hello, Ned. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash ageist and get 15% off on all their products. Or if you forgot all that, just enter ageist, code ageist at checkout and you get your 15% off there. Today's show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the dashboard to your inner health. You know, we talk about this a lot, about metrics, what matters, biomarkers. The thing is, you can't take actions on things that you don't know about. And what you don't know about can hurt you. I use Inside Tracker. I take their ultimate test four times a year. I look at their biomarkers. I see what's moving from quarter to quarter. So I can see if I've made changes in my program and my diet is there something that I need to adjust? And their food first, supplement second recommendations are great. I always share the results with my doctor. And if there's something we need to go over, we do that. Get a dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist. Save 20% on all their products. We're going to get with Dr. Isaac Burzen in just a second. We're going to dive into the world of omega-3s and what are polar lipids and why are they better? And why should we get our lipids from algae rather than, as he says, squeezing dead fish? Nice way to put it. <laughs> We're going to get with him in just a second. But I wanted to remind everybody, after that conversation, we have that little thing at the end of the show called Just Try This. So stay tuned for that. Right now, let's give Dr. Isaac Burson a call. Isaac, hello. Thank you for joining us. Hey, David. My pleasure. Pleasure being here. Where uh, where are you, Isaac? Actually, uh, literally just yesterday moved from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. 
it's sound, it's only 40 minutes uh, a drive, but it's two different worlds. So I'm still enjoying the ocean view from my windows and it's kind of, it's uh, pretty cool. What what time of day is it for you? It's uh, nine in the evening, still not, not too late, pretty charming, but you know, it's, it's a shift between, you know, after sunset where kind of the lights come on and it's pretty, pretty nice. It's a nice oh, view. Lovely. The Mediterranean, beautiful place. Um, so I, there's so much I want to speak to you about today. Uh, let's um, let's sort of start with you're very interested in algae um, and yes. a, a lot of the way that it interacts with our food system, possibilities for future food system. But you're also involved in geothermal energy. And I, my understanding is there was sort of a, a transition here where uh, there was a learning process about coming from the geothermal to then the algae. And uh, how did that happen? Uh, several years ago, I got a phone call from a very nice gentleman. He said his name is Kitty. He's from Iceland. And they're looking for ways to monetize their clean energy and, and do something interesting with it. And they want to grow algae. And I said, what? You, want, you, have, you have a darkness half of the year, and now you want to grow algae? It's kind of a stupid idea. So please don't call me. Okay? But he kept on calling me, and it was very sweet. And uh Isaac, maybe you want to come over and see it for yourself. And I thought to myself, it's a small island in the middle of the ocean. And what am I going to find there? But he was so uh, lovely. And so I just came. And then it dawned on me that actually it's a, it's an amazing opportunity because Iceland is one of the countries that has 100%, the only countries, I think, have, they have 100% clean energy. It's either geothermal or hydro. So... It's a unique place in which everything that you do there is going to be sustainable, at least from the carbon point of view. So I said, okay, I understand the opportunity, but there's a technology gap. No one knows how to grow algae on a large scale using LED lights you know, at that time. Okay? Uh, so it was a technological challenge. I gathered my two good old friends, the, the biologist and, and engineers, Sam and Steve, that worked with me for the last 15 years. And they thought it's actually not a stupid idea. Actually, they thought Kitty is right. And Iceland is the place to... And today, Kitty is the general manager of our production facility. So uh, it's a pretty cool stuff. But I, I wish I was smarter, but I was just pulled into it, David. Actually, that's the honest truth. So the facility then is powered by geothermal energy and their LED lights helping the algae to grow 24-7. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And then what happened during this, uh, so the idea is very basic, but what, what we learned is actually pretty interesting. When uh, when you grow algae with sunlight, and we, we had built, I think, the largest open pond systems in the world before, previously, Um even if you know what are the optimal conditions that the algae would be, ha they ha you, you, don't, you don't have the ability to actually enable those conditions, right? If it's a light or temperature, an open pond is, is an open pond. These are huge systems and you cannot really manage them. It's like agriculture. And then what happens when you go from agriculture to biotech, you can keep the algae happy all the time. I'll explain what happy means and what it, what, what it means technologically, but what it means to the algae. If you're the algae, what do you mean by happy algae, okay? So if if I can keep plus minus half a degree centigrade in your optimal temperature, so all your life you live in your optimal temperature and you see the light quality in terms of the light colors that you want, 
and the light intensity that you want. And if you move kind of closer to the light and away from the light, you're going to experience light and dark cycles that would keep you very happy. So all these conditions, the growth conditions, would make you happy all the time. Okay? And when you're happy all the time, you're not in a survival mode, you start producing all kinds of interesting materials like a lot of omega-3s significantly higher quantities that you can find in um, in uh, open pond systems. So all these things made a huge difference in terms of what you get out of the algae in the end of the day. So cultivating a happy algae is a world of a difference for the algae and then for whoever is using the algae. Okay, but I had no idea at the time, David. It's just something we learned by doing this stuff. I think if I was an algae, I would really want to be in one of your bio bio farming yeah. facilities you know it reminds me of uh, you know we lived many years in boston and and my wife was very sensitive to darkness and, and cold temperature so i i felt sometimes like i'm married to two different women there's a, my my summer wife and my winter wife, and they're two different like they have curly hair both of them but like there's nothing in common uh, so there is a world of a different temperature and light make make a difference on us and on the algae definitely so let's get to the reason for all this um, why do we want, you mentioned omegas and growing this algae. And so the algae is there for us to consume. Why do we want to consume it? And wh what are the benefits to us? Okay. So if you stop, uh, most of the people uh, in the mall and you ask them, Hey, tell me where omega threes come from. They're going to tell you from the fish, from the fish oil. That's where omega threes come from. And they're only partially right. We we use we squeeze the dead fish and and the, and use its oil, but the fish do not produce omega threes. The fish only accumulate omega threes that they by by consuming algae up the food chain. But the producer of this molecule, this essential molecule, it's called omega three, is done by microalgae. Okay, so so. The issue is okay. So, so there's a, sometimes you know the middle the middleman creates value, but in the case of the fish, it's just practically easy to grab it and squeeze it. But actually, if you look at the composition of fish oil today, like it's all the pharmaceuticals, the chemical elements, the PCBs, like heavy metals, it, it's not a clean source. Okay, okay. Then you of course you you take it to the omega three companies, clean it up, and and. I'm not saying, but it's like, you know, I can take sewage water and, and filter it and clean it. And there you go. Bon appetit, right? Getting to the source has a, this, this one dimension of being clean. But the second dimension has to do with the user experience. And I will explain. When you look at fish oil, if you mix fish oil in water, assuming your 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 stomach is 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 a kind of a, a half a glass, a half full of water, you're going to pour a, oil, fish oil on top of it, it's going to float on the top, right? So that's where you get the fishy burst from. Something that's floating on the top, it's absorbed only through the, the sides where this layer touches the sides of the glass or the sides of your stomach. So it's a, it's a limited absorption rate. And um, about half of the people that stop consuming omega-3s, they do that because they cannot tolerate the, the, the fishy burps, okay? And I can understand. Um, nevertheless, if you take this specific algae oil that is photosynthetically cultivated, the form of the omega-3 is a polar lipid. So it's a different chemical form. What it does, it creates an emulsion. So if you mix that oil, and it's very clear because it's a green oil, 
you mix it with, with water or you mix it in your stomach, it creates an emulsion. It spreads all over the place. It doesn't create a layer. And this emulsion stays. So the absorption is from all the sides of this glass, okay, but the glass represents your stomach. And then there's no fishy birds, and nothing floats on top. So the user experience is much better. And because you had such better absorption rate, you actually need to use less to get to the same effect on your body. So think about, about, about the end user. In the end, happy algae means that you can consume small amount of omega-3 rich algae oil that has no side effects, easy to swallow, and you still have friends because you don't have these fishy burps. So it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty compelling argument, and it all stems from technology and from moving from agriculture to kind of biotech, keeping the algae happy, right? And do you have any um, studies available for what's the the ratio of like if I need to I'm taking a thousand milligrams yep. of fish oil based versus right. fuller lipid, right? It's a, it's a great question. So the 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 way the way we see it is we see a three x difference, which means you can consume a third of the omega threes and still get the same benefit. And now let me explain what benefit means. You can measure omega threes in the blood, which represent actually the first crossing the first barrier from your stomach to your blood. Okay, and, and there was a clinical study done. It's pub- publicly available, peer reviewed, and it basically compares. Um, uh, two polar lipids. One polar lipid is the algae, and the second one is krill, which is also a polar lipid, but highly unsustainable way of of getting your omega threes. Um, and algae oil showed superiority over krill oil, which is the the most bioavailable. But the more interesting way to look at it is looking at something called omega three index. Why? Omega three index doesn't measure your blood levels; it measures the omega-3 uh, composition on the on the cell wall of your red blood cells. So actually, it represents absorption in your body. Okay? So it's a much better indication. That's not something that changes immediately. You know, you, you, you take omega-3, you measure blood level, it goes up, go down. That's it, right? It means something, but not a lot. If you measure omega-3 index, and you have, you have to look at it over a period of time, let's say three months, Okay, then you can see the improvement in what's absorbed in your body, and there, there are very clear ranges of what's you know what's 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 kind of a normal healthy range and what's under under that. So it's very easy to, for for individuals to measure their own performance. You don't have to go to the medical doctor for it or do anything crazy. It's a it's a kit you can buy online. But the point of it is you measure your own progress because everybody is a little bit different. And everybody's metabolism is a bit different. And if I can take a randomized uh, a, a experiment, what's your? how are you related to that study? You're not sure. So the omega-3 index is meaningful. It's one number. And it, it's something you can measure your own progress. I think it's a beautiful way to, to see how you need very little to achieve a lot. You need very little omega-3, a third of the amount, compared to fish oil to achieve your healthy omega-3 index. So it's a, it's a very powerful way to, to, to measure progress. That's fascinating. Um, I, I think it's sort of goes along with the, um, you know, vitamin D, like you need to test 
Um, some people are absorbed very well. They manufacture it very well in their skin. Other people don't. Yes, because sometimes, you know, it has to do with the, you know, the enzymes that you have in your body that can, you know, digest fats or cannot digest fats or, or it, it, it has to do with a lot of things The human body reacts to your diet. You know, it's not going to produce the same amount of enzymes if you, if you have, a, you know, this kind of meal or other kind of meal. So at the end of the day, you get kind of a mirror of the true situation. And omega-3 index is a beautiful way to know. And I think you should know, right? And then you can fine tune it. You, you can say, I'm almost there, but I need a little bit more. So you, you boost your consumption a little bit. You can have like a, you can have a real-time feedback on what really matters, which is not your blood levels necessarily, but your omega-3 mix. I think it's a, it's a very nice way. It's a very meaningful way to learn what's your situation. Uh, for everyone who's listening, we'll leave a link in the show notes to how to get an omega-3 test. Um, one of the things I want to ask you, when we talk about omega-3s, we're talking about more than one thing. So there are components to it. Could you talk a little bit about what those components are and what the benefit to us is? Correct. So when we talk about omega-3s that have significant impact on human nutrition, we actually talk about two. One is called DHA and one is called EPA. And historically, you could see that uh, fish oil was is a mix of both of them. So historically, a lot of the studies were done just on a mix. DHA and EPA, just not because it's the best, just because that's how it came through the middle fish, right? When we squeeze the oil out of the fish, that's what we got. But some, uh, some, um, I think uh, uh, Japanese actually were the first one that made the effort to to separate the EPA, one of those omega threes, EPA and DHA, to separate the EPA out because they found the connection between EPA and cholesterol, and it was a prescription drug in Japan many years ago, pure EPA made from fish oil. So they made the effort of separating because they understood not all omega threes are the same. Then uh, there was a company at the time, it was called Martic. They were able to cultivate microalgae that was very rich in DHA only. And they were wondering, okay, DHA only, does it matter? Okay, so so do the same, you know, the following experiment, David. Go to any baby formula that you can find today on the market. Look in the ingredients. In all of them, you're going to find DHA. This DHA is coming from algae. And you know why? Because they made a connection between DHA and brain development of in early stages. Okay. Once you made the scientific connection, then it became a standard ingredient in baby formulas. Uh, so I, uh, there was another study uh, that was published. It was very interesting. It's a meta-analysis. Meta-analysis is looking at all the literature around the specific subject. And the subject was depression. So they were trying to make connection between mood and omega-3 consumption. And you can see sometimes you can see an effect, sometimes no effect. So what's the what's the secret for an effective uh, an effective way to, to, to improve your mood? And what they found out, it's come something that they called unopposed EPA. So the EPA minus DHA. The bigger you have this number, EPA minus DHA, the better results you get on, on depression. And and it's like it's like magic. They 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 organized the whole literature, the scientific literature by unopposed EPA. You can see a, a, a linear relationship. Okay, so for instance, if you take 50-50, the effect is zero, right? But if you fa- you take a 60-40, so it's like a 10% difference, right? So 
That's how it works. So it's pretty amazing. So now we know, I think today we know that there are two different omega-3s and they have two different efficacies. And, um, you know, I think most people don't distinguish between DHA and EPA really, uh, but one step at a time, one step at a time. Well, you've just given us a puzzling piece of information here. So um, on it, if I understand correctly, the DHA is good for my brain and the EPA is good for my mood. But if I take them in uh, equal measure... Generally, I think generally you're right. Look, sometimes think, things work in harmony, right? If one of it is inflammatory and the other one, other, sometimes together. So I'm not saying only consume them separately. Sometimes you need both you know, to get the balanced effect. But just interesting to see how different omega-3s have different efficacy on, on different parts of your body. It's pretty amazing, actually. Interesting. I've I've always sort of leaned into the the DHA because I'm worried about my brain and I'm generally pretty happy anyway. So that's just me. <laughs> okay. Good. So you're you're a DHA kind of a guy. That's I'm a fine. DHA guy. Yeah. Um, so the you know we we had some discussion here about how the algae the way it's grown in these um you know you're growing it in uh in a closed environment and the algae is actually pulling out carbon dioxide is that correct correct so that's an interesting thing you know when we think about carbon we have two completely different thoughts one thought is oh my god too much carbon too much carbon in the atmosphere, David. It's it, you know we're gonna we're gonna melt here. You know so much you know uh, climate change stuff. Okay, because this one is a gas. The carbon is in a CO two gas. Okay, the second thing we think is oh we don't have enough carbon, not enough food, not enough feed. Right. So so, but there's a mechanism that moves carbon from being a gas to carbon being organic. This mechanism is called photosynthesis. And this is something any plant can do. Algaes are just champions. And what I love about algaes the most is the no waste. And I'll explain. When you grow corn, David, or wheat or soy, what percentage of the plant material, I'll elaborate, the roots, the stems, the leaves, okay, et cetera, what percent of the, of the biomaterial are we actually consuming? Very small. <laughs> Very small. Sometimes, David, it's a single digit. Right. We live like pigs. Actually, I'm insulting the pigs now. Okay? So when you think about algaes, it's 100% nutrition. There's no waste because there's no leaves and stems and infrastructure. They're just singular, single cells full of nutritional value that grow by cell division. And that's what I mostly love about them. So in the world of photosynthesis, algaes are champions. Very efficient. Um, and 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 therefore you can actually turn something that we call you know CO2, they think it's gourmet food. So every ton of algae just consumed two tons of CO2 by converting it from being a gas to building their own body. That's their food. They eat dissolved CO2. Okay, the trick is how you dissolve the gas in the water so it's available for them. That's where technology comes, that's where we learn what we learned. But but if you kind of zoom out of it and you see what are you doing here, actually, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I can say there's a value, you know, there's there's a moral value of not, you know, grabbing animals and squeezing them for their organs or for their oils or whatever. 
But in our case, it's a benefit for the, the, the end user. Okay, I'll, I'll give an example. National Geographic had several years ago, uh, they just uh, they just grabbed the fish off the shores of New York and they analyzed it for nutraceuticals. Okay, and here's the conclusion, David. If you have a headache, don't take Tylenol. Have the fish because the Tylenol is already inside. Or if you don't <laughs> want to get pregnant, you just eat the fish because they're... And if you have a psychiatric episode, you just eat the fish. It had The fish is like a pharmacy, okay? And uh, and again, I think there's a huge benefit of getting something that's pure. It's not for the, my point. It it's not for vegetarian necessarily. It just it just so much so much better on so many dimensions to get something from the source. Then it's uh, it, it really, you know, I, there's probably someone who who enjoys the mercury flavor. I just haven't met him yet. <laughs> Seasoned with mercury. Uh, yeah. So. It, what comes to mind here is it's a very similar paradigm to, um, you know, buying oil from, um, uh, you know, a Middle Eastern autocracy um, and all the problems that come along with that to something, you know, more like solar energy where you don't have to deal with that, yeah. all that nastiness. And actually, Iceland is a great is a great uh, you know example for this. A lot of the cars in Iceland are electrical cars, mm. and uh, and it's people prefer because it's just cheaper, but it's produced by using clean energy. So if you look at it, environmentally great, user experience great, uh, it's really a win win. So it's not always easy to find those win win situations, but if you find one, I think it's a no brainer. It's just definitely go for it. Okay. So I, it's, um, yeah. This image that you put in my mind of squeezing the dead fish—that's going to be with me for a long time. How do you think it's done? Okay, and I have to tell you. Tell uh, me. Don't think it's not an image. It's not a visual image. It's a smell. You know how it smells. <laughs> and then you go. You know what? I recommend a visit at a omega three factory. They're going to show you all kinds of columns. And they're going to tell here in this column, we take out the heavy metals. Here we take the PCBs. It's just a cleaning facility. Mm. It's a cleaning facility. I'm a chemical engineer. I can tell you, you can never clean something completely. There are always mm. residuals. The best way is just not to start with something dirty. How about that? Okay, so so you know the 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 the, the school of thought with omega-3 is the more concentrated it is the better it is because then if I concentrate the omega-3, by definition, I got rid of the other con potential contaminants, okay? Mm -hmm. Here, it's a different philosophy because everything in the algae is amazing. You have uh, you have uh, omega-7, which is palmetolaic acid, which is lovely. You have omega-3, you have uh, tocopherols, you have uh, antioxidants. It's, it's a bag of nutrition. Omega-3 is just one component, but the rest are amazing as well. So it's just a, a different way to look at things. Uh, we're not trying to get rid. And, and I had several dialogues. Omega-3 company, they wanted to distill the oil and purify it and concentrate it. Why? Why do you want to do it? You, you just stop for a second. What, what's wrong here that you want to take out? This is the composition. What? Tell me, what do you want to take out? They look and say, actually, nothing. want to keep it there. So of course you want to keep it there. So um, it's just a different way of looking at things. Are you looking at um, different algae strains for 
um, perhaps different um, nutritional products? Yes. So if if you think about it, in nature, you have uh, hundreds of thousands of identified strains. Okay. And, And I think we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Nevertheless, the number of strains allowed for human nutrition is maybe not handful, two handful. Okay, so I think it's a single-digit number of algae strains allowed. Uh, the most famous ones are, you know, chlorella, spirulina. Most people heard about them, um, and I think it's just reflecting a lack of, um, you know, maybe industry or or sector that uh, promotes you know algae because you know you, you do have to go through regulatory process i'm not saying you should not some algae are toxic it's known so you do have to do it, get the job done but nevertheless it's like a, tre- a, a box full of treasures that we only opened a, a little crack in and we just you know we're only starting to understand the potential um, and and if you look at a lot of the things that we you know are essential to life, uh, they're coming from microbiological world, and they just you know we get them up the food chain. But you know, I was talking to someone about uh, you know um, beef, okay, and he told me that yeah, you know, you can you know, you know eat less beef, but you know, B twelve is very important. It's important for so many things, and uh, beef is the most efficient vehicle to you know the cow is where. You know, where we get most of our B12 from. I said, yeah, but the cow doesn't produce it. What? The cow doesn't produce B12. It's a microorganisms in the in the four stomachs of the cow that produce B12. So a lot of time we just we're just using we used to get things up the food chain because that's how we were, you know, that's how the world behaved. But listen, as human as a human society, we have moved from from hunter-gatherers to farmers, right? We have done this move. Uh, and I think omega threeism is 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 one of the residuals of that old mindset of you know. But but the reason we we start cultivating bananas because we ran out of bananas, correct? So then you yeah, and it's a huge knowledge. And I think if you look at aquaculture, for example, that so most of the fish today on your plate are more than sixty percent are cultured, are cultivated. Okay, sixty years ago, David, only sixty years ago. Most of the fish on your plant or on your plate were were from the oceans. Okay, were were wild catch. What made the difference? You know what? We ran out of fish. We ran out of clean fish. Ran out of fish in general. So we had to learn. And 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 so I think I think we're in in this kind of change. In in in. But it doesn't have to take thousands of years. For aquaculture, it was sixty years. I think in this, it, it could be a single digit. And and then people think, you know, really? That's how we used to do stuff? Wow, that's crazy. Thank God we don't do this anymore. So I think it's a, it's just a matter of, you know, where technology or knowledge gets you. Just a different way of thinking about life. Well, I'm just curious. I, I was just at the farmer's market here in, um, I'm in Park City, Utah. And so, there, you know, there's, there's a crop cycle. Um, and there's a lot of snow this year. So the crop cycle was very compressed. Um, what's the crop cycle on algae? Mm, David, it's a great question. So let's look at it. Uh, the images, uh, think about a, um, a test tube that you just put a little bit of algae. There are microscopic algae. So with nuclear test tube, it looks like light green. And then over a period of time, this test tube becomes dark green. And then it's time to harvest it and you uh, and, and make it light green again. So, okay. 
So, so you have to wait. So from the time it's light green to the time it's dark green, you have to wait a whole week, David, a whole week. Okay? So, so you harvest weekly. Some people harvest daily that, that match the, the harvest rate to the growth rate. So you continuously kind of like milking the cow, continuously taking out and matching those two rates. So, so yeah, they grow on steroids. It, it's grown, grown by cell division. So, you know, plants are growing from the apical meristem, from the edges. Every cell is an edge. So they just grow by cell. It's, it's, it's actually a super efficient way of cultivating. But again, you need to provide light. You need to provide mixing. You need to provide nutrients. So you need to have a way to keep them happy. So if you keep them happy, they, they're very happy. They grow and they, and they produce and they're lovely. So I'm, now I'm thinking, um, what's the yield for, um, like when you talk about the water, are you talking about surface area of the water or depth volume mm. of the water? And then wow. how much algae do David. you get out of the water? I'm sorry, I would be an engineer. No, that's a great question. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so I'll tell you the hist- my, my history. So I started with open pond. Open pond, a, imagine a, a huge surface area. It's like you can hardly see the other side of the pond. And there's a paddle with it, moves the water kind of around. And you bubble CO2 at a few places. And um, when, when, you, when you put your finger in the water, you can see that after maybe two centimeters, uh, light doesn't penetrate. It's a dark green water. It's about 30 centimeters deep, but only two centimeters are photosynthetically active because they they see light. So so there's a layer of two centimeters active, actively growing, and then there's a layer of 28 just sitting there doing nothing. So by definition, an open pond is very inefficient. Nevertheless, what we do in Iceland, it's vertical farming. So we have, imagine something looks like a big door. It's a two and a half meter high, two and a half meter wide, but only five centimeter deep, okay? Like a big box, okay? A transparent box. And you have, it's hugged by LED lights on both sides, okay? So you have a huge surface area and it's like you have many of those boxes, one next to the other. So in a very small footprint, you have an enormous light to algae area, okay. Therefore, therefore, that's why it's in a, it's in a building. But this building, if I if I can unfold it, it's going to be huge farm, maybe the biggest in the world. But it just folded into this origami of vertical farming of algae, uh, and that's the trick. So, uh, so on a surface area, on a per surface area, and and I'm, I'm an engineer by training. So usually, when you compare systems, you see twenty percent better, thirty percent better. That's an achievement. We are more than a hundred times better than anything else on this planet, David, in terms of productivity per footprint, per air footprint area. And again, it's not a miracle. In the end, it's an energy balance between how much energy you put in and how much chemical energy you capture, right? So, so the energy balance still holds, but it's just done on a very small footprint with no water loss. And that's the other thing people have to understand. When you grow algaes, you pay with water. And I'll explain. Even if you have a marine algae grown in a pond, what evaporates is H2O. It's the water. The salt stays in the pond. So if you want to compensate for evaporation, you only can do it by adding fresh water in. Okay? 
So although it's a marine algae, you lose a lot of water because evaporation is evaporation. It's about two meters a year. So if you have a, a pond of two meters high, in the end of the year, it's going to be dry. Two meters a year, it's a lot of water. Okay. Um, and then if you do fermentation by algae, you grow algae with sugar, which is another way of doing it. Uh, photosynthesis is hiding in the sugar cane plantation, which also loses a lot of water. So whatever you're going to do, no matter how you turn it, you pay with fresh water. And fresh water is a, is, is a, is a limited resource in many places in the world. Nevertheless, if you do it in a closed system, there's no evaporation. Even the air that you put in is, and you recycle it is, is saturated with, with water, so there's no evaporation. So the only water loss is periodically washing it, and even then, even that is 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 filtered and reused. So, in Iceland, we're operating above um, a freshwater aquifer, so we're not allowed to spill anything. It's a it's a it's a zero waste zone, which was a challenge in the beginning. But I'm very happy that that it, that's the case. We learned how to recycle the water, how to use them again, reuse them again. So all this knowledge was gained out of necessity. But I think I think if we think about it, David, that's that's key. So you have to think about water in agriculture. No matter what you do, water is, is something to think about, not only carbon footprint, but also that. And I will give you the last dimension maybe that I'm absolutely proud of, which is no pesticides, no herbicides. I think people underestimate the horrific price we pay because of the intensive usage of those two chemicals. They, they get into the water sources, uh, some of the plants are genetically modified to tolerate high amounts of pesticides and herbicides, but we're not. And there was a study in Brazil. Uh, they compared the uh, the area of uh, the additional area of uh, sugarcane cultivation versus the cancer cases in those areas, and you can see a linear relationship. In the end, people pay with their health, so it's not a joke. Okay, it's not a nice thing to do. I think it's a must. So we as a society, I think we have to find innovative ways to get rid of those chemicals, to, to cultivate something in a sustainable way that's good for the environment, but also good for us. Okay? Think about when you give it to your children. That That's a very good example. If you can, then great. If you cannot, so just don't. It's someone else's children as well. So I think that's the way we, we need to think about those kind of things. I, I'm curious about the other input, the carbon dioxide. Where does it come from? Ah, how do you how do you so, get it? <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you the secret, David. So what the geothermal power plant do? So Iceland sits between two tectonic plates that are drifting apart. Okay, so the lava is pretty close to the surface there. What enables them to just dig a hole, which is two kilometers down, to just dig a hole, and there, when when water hits this lava, they come up as a, as steam. So it's I cannot. It's like when you see how they dig those holes. It's like and you see the steam coming out of there, it's like opening the gates of hell. It's like, like you won't believe the noise and the intensity of it. Wow, it's like, like a huge steam bursting out of the ground. They just capture the steam and then they operate regular turbines. You know, we have to burn fuels to create steam to operate the same turbines. They just don't have to burn any fuel, okay? And then with this, with this steam, you have a lot of natural CO2. What the problem was doing was separating the CO2 and then pushing it to the ground, or, or but now they feed it to algae. So the CO2 is coming from a natural geothermal source as well. So that's the, that's the other trick. And I'll tell you the last trick about 
this integration with the, with the geothermal power plant. And this is something that uh, was not obvious to me, I have to say. We only learned it by doing stuff. Uh, so this power plant is selling electricity, but it's also selling hot water. So when you take a shower in Reykjavik, there's a high likelihood this, this hot water just came from this power plant. So there's a huge pipe of cold six centigrade water coming in and the same pipe of uh, 87 centigrade water coming out to the city of Reykjavik. There's even a private beach that you can swim in the ocean because they, they push this excess hot water into, into the ocean. Um, so, so integrating with two, these two streams of hot water and cold water on their way in or out of the power plant. So we're not wasting water, but we are integrated in, in, into this for, for thermal management. That allows us to keep the algae happy. Remember, David, I, I told you we keep the algae happy by one of the things that I told you, temperature, but, right? Half a degree plus minus half a degree centigrade, which is very tight control. It's enabled by using those cold and hot water streams as needed. It's not obvious. Like, otherwise, what do we have to build a big chiller? Or how am I going to keep the algae happy? You know, I don't know. When you put all this amount of light in, some of the light is turned into heat. It's like a big oven. How are you going to keep it? Okay, also LEDs need to be kept at a certain temperature. So you keep the LEDs happy in their temperature. You keep the algae happy in its temperature. So you can do it economically because you're integrated with the geothermal power plant. And David, I wish I had this wisdom many years ago. As I told you, I, I was just persuaded by this persistent Icelandic guy. Um, but he was right. He was right. This is so impressive. <laughs> you have to come really see, will. David. Don't take my word for it. It's going to blow your mind. It looks like science fiction, really. It's something I cannot express as in words. It's a, it's a bubbling thing that you go in and the color is purple because you use red and blue lights and it's bubbly and color. It's just, you think it's like, it's out of this world. It's an out of this world experience. What are you working on next? So next we're trying to keep a different strains of algae happy. And this algae strain, uh, we want, we're actually working on it to have the same uh, nutritional composition as beef. Wow. Beef is one of protein. Yes. So, it's not only protein. Protein, it, when I say protein, it's all of the essential amino acids. These are the building blocks of proteins that your body cannot produce. So you have right. to have them from an external source. Beef has them. And no plant, no single plant have all the essential amino acids. So this, uh, this strain does. The second thing is a um, bioavailable iron. Iron is an essential mineral and in a, in an, a, a digestible or, or absorbable form that's hard. That algae has it. And the last thing is B12. Remember I mentioned the, the cow? And you know now the cow doesn't produce it, just it just accumulates it. Same thing. So we found the strain that has all these three components together. So if you can imagine a three-dimensional space where one is essential amino acids, one is iron, one is B12. So beef sits in a specific, a specific location. And all the other foods are millions light years away from beef. Beef is not like nothing else. Okay, any food that you can mention, not like beef. But that one algae strain, because of the cultivation conditions, is just like beef. So I think it's very powerful. You don't have to tune necessarily on algae. We're trying to integrate this uh, into different food breads and yogurts and smoothies and all kinds. It's a nutritional celebration, actually. 
working with very creative chefs because we want it to be an amazing experience and tasty and, and lovely. And we have a conservative uh, approach, like, you know, for example, like a, a bread that has, just looks like normal bread, but I can measure crazy amounts of B12 there. Or we can go to do a blue gin and tonic, right? So we have the whole spectrum of how crazy you want to be in terms of your food. So that's where that's what's next. I think it's a, it's a, it's a alternative beef, um, and it gives you the freedom, David, to choose how much beef you want to consume. But you don't have to nutritionally do anything. You can you have total freedom to to do whatever you want. Your, your, your health is not going to be compromised because of your choices, nutrition choices. I think this is one of the, the big conundrums is, you know, I'm a little older now and I exercise a lot and I, I, I have to eat a lot of protein and it's very, it's really challenging. Um, it's very challenging. Yeah. So I might, uh, I might surprise you, David. You, you might have something that's uh, full of, full of like a basket of nutrition, as I said. And the nice thing about it, you're not going to feel the taste, different taste of smell. So here's here's the thing. I don't believe that for doing the right thing, you have to suffer. I don't. Uh, so if something is stinking or smelly or disgusting, I don't think that's a good way to go. So with this one, if you close your eyes and I'm going to give you a yogurt with the, with that, you know, that is full of that algae, uh, you will never be able to tell me by smell or by taste, which one is which? We can do this experiment. I've done it a million times. When you open your eyes, you're going to see that it's co the color of the yogurt is blue. And you're going to tell me, oh, my God, there are no blue foods, right? Well, there are. <laughs> but uh, but even the blue is, is antioxidant. So there's nothing wrong with that. So that's uh, that's the next thing, David. Now you're curious. I see your face. Well, now I'm <laughs> now I'm thinking, okay, so... A, a gram of this contains how much usable protein for a human? Okay, so it has about 70-70% protein. Do you know any plant that has 70% proteins? Even meat, I don't, don't think, has 70%. It's very difficult, protein, so. yeah. So it's it's it is a super, super food. Um, but I think the bigger challenge, and people underestimate the microelements, not only the proteins are obvious and, and also the quality of the proteins mm. and the digestibility, et cetera. But beyond proteins, I think, especially people that exercise and eat the iron, mm -hmm. and I think the young children, um, pregnant women, uh, older people, they need B12 as well. It's very important for their, their health. Mm. So the right way to get it is from your nutrition. You need to build those reservoirs. And uh, this is something that's, again, be, being built over time. But no one has to suffer. It needs to be a nutritional celebration. So that's that's my point. I think this is so fascinating. I just, um, you know, the, the mechanical engineering nerd in me is just thinking about, like, your guys who came up with the vertical is just brilliant. And I'm wondering how many other places in the world could this have happened? I mean, there aren't yeah. too yeah. many. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no, actually. So first of all, on, on your first comment, I wish I could tell you I'm that smart. I'm just persistent, David. Okay. I started <laughs> with algaes when I was a scientist at MIT uh, many years ago. Uh, I didn't have uh, white hair at the time. And I have plenty of white hair. I hope some wisdom came, but I learned by elimination, David. I'm very persistent. I wish I could tell you I'm very smart. I'm not. 
Very persistent though, yes, I agree. The second thing is, if you think about the elements we mentioned that you, you need clean uh, energy source, right? But you need something that's continuous, not like solar or wind that intermittent, you need something. Uh, for instance, hydroelectric is, is an option and there's a huge capacity of installed hydroelectric, but you don't have necessarily to be adjacent to the energy source. You can get it from the grid. So you can have a contract with someone with a large um, clean energy production facility and just connected through the grid you buy from him. The second thing you need is cold water, right? You need to keep the algae happy, the life happy. But this cold water is just thermal water. You don't need it to be even fresh water. It could be ocean water. It could be many sources of water. It doesn't have to be. Uh, uh, uh. So you can you can think about many locations in the world that you can get clean energy Okay, uh, and you can have cold water source, and then you just need a CO2 source, which uh, apparently we have too much of that. So I don't think that, that that's a huge problem. And then you can say, so yeah, so this this thing is scalable. And again, you don't need huge footprints because per area, this is orders of magnitude better than anything else in the world. So you're not talking about huge plantation. You're talking about a facility, a building that you can walk around and you can see this this thing, this vertical farming, but the footprint is not that big. And are you looking at other locations outside of Iceland? So it depends on, on good partners. So there's a limit, you know, every time you start a new project, you need just the, the local good people. Uh, I could tell you my experience with Icelanders was amazing. I've never had such a motivated, smart, hardworking team. I think it's it really took me by surprise, uh, and and how much they enjoy working together. They have it's a, it's a group of all ages. Uh, we have uh, different religions. We have different tendencies. Like uh, there's almost nothing in common, but the passion to what they do. So just watching them, how they relate to each other, how they relate to their work, is just something amazing. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a place with people that care. I'm a terrible boss, David. I cannot tell you when to come, when to go. If you're not motivated, if you don't care, I cannot make you care. I cannot be a policeman, okay? So that that's the key. In the end, it's not only the location, it's the people around it that, that, that need to care. Absolutely. That's always what it comes down to, right? Who's, yeah. Who are you working with? Yeah. Who are you working with? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think this is, um, you've just sort of blown my mind on this. I, I, I investigated this somewhat and the whole, uh, the whole operation. David, the only, the only request amazing. I have, don't believe a word I said, come to Iceland. It's going, Iceland is lovely on its own. I think it should be on your bucket list, but I think seeing this facility, listen, you, you can measure your happiness level before and after, and you'll be able to see a, a, a big, uh, it's going to move you on the I can tell you, you're going to, you're going to see something that really makes so much sense and, 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 and just feels right. And I think it's going to make you happy. Absolutely. I'm going to do that. I will do that. Um, I've been, I've been in Iceland once. I loved it. I find it in a, it's an extraordinary place. I mean, what, there's like 150,000 people in the whole place, but you, it it produces things like Bjork and like, there's just all this like amazing creativity that comes out of this little place. It's yeah. incredible. You know what they do? The funniest thing is, I think when they're, when, I think even you can find three-year-old children, they can also always translate things per capita. So they got the most Nobel prizes 
per capita. <laughs> and they have the biggest, you know, the, the best soccer team in the world per capita. And, you know, so per capita they win. So, but, but, but I think that beyond per capita, it's it's a wonderful nation. And it just, uh, I've been around, David, and this was, this is a, you see how they treat each other, how they treat nature. It's a, spe- they're special people. Hmm. I agree. Very special people. Isaac, um, is there anything you want to leave people with today? Yes, I think uh, if you think about the human history, there are many moments in life which, you know, it was it was gloom and uh, we never knew how, uh, how we're going to make it, right? Uh, but then, in many cases, science was the solution. It just took us to the next level of knowledge and uh, you can see it in many things, not only nutrition, right? In, in in, in health issues, public health issues, in ma- many cases. So, so I, I think we are in a gloom, in a, in a, in a not a not a happy place right now as as human human being. We look around us, and 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 it doesn't look so amazing. But I can tell you, learn based on what we have done before. I think, you know, there will be a, a way for a play for a, a room for for science to play a role and to move us to the next level of of, of knowledge and and choices and technologies to continue living on this planet i i really hope so i think so i think it's a little um it's a little gloomy now there's a lot of there's a lot of it the gloom is easy to see it's everywhere but yeah i think that um you know as humans we've been through this before and we seem to come through yeah Isaac, thank, thank you, you so much. This was this was just uh, a pleasure far exceeding my expectations. I I had no thank idea you, about all of this. It's wonderful. Thank you, and looking forward to seeing you in Iceland. There Absolutely, go. let's do that. Blue gin and tonic on me. <laughs> okay. Take care, Bye, man. David. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Thank you. So You're much. welcome. Bye bye. What a lovely man, and I gotta say. I'm actually really excited about going to Iceland. I want to see this plant that he's built. It just sounds so amazing. And um, I I was in Iceland once. It's an incredible place. It's just somewhere between like heaven and the surface of the moon. And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I mean. Um, But right now is that time in the show where we're going to do Just Try This. So we've been talking a lot recently about loneliness and about community and something that's struck me recently is I was, I've sort of been reviewing a bit of my past and thinking like, oh, you know, I think about these dozens and dozens of people who I was very friendly with. They were part of my community. I, I, maybe I lived next to them. It intersected with work or some other thing. And then once that connection, whatever it was, the initial impetus for the friendship sort of went away, then the friendship went away. And I thought, oh, that's really sad. Like, I, I miss these people. So... You know, one of the things I would like to suggest for just try this this week is just give somebody a call or send an email or a text to maybe somebody that you haven't been in touch with for a long time and just reach out and say, you know, hey, how you doing? I was thinking of that time when we did whatever, and that was great. I hope you're well. Send me some news. Let's get in touch. So just try this this week. Reach out to somebody you haven't spoken to, haven't been in contact with for, you know, 10, 15 years and see what they're up to. It'll be good for them. It'll be good for you. 
Thank you for joining us on the show this week. We respect your time. We respect your attention. And we're very pleased that you have chosen to spend them with us. This is also the time in the program when you get to, guess what? Leave us up to a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. Um, And maybe share this podcast with someone who you think could possibly use it. There was an idea. Next week, we've got another great show. Until then, please have a wonderful week and maybe reach out to a friend. We'll see you then. Bye now.